This morning's scripture reading comes from Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, and 9 and 10. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, then you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord for us. Did you know that space travel is now available to private citizens? Space travel. So uh, SpaceX has now been offering trips to outer space. NASA hasn't launched anyone into outer space since 2011. But that hasn't kept the world's wealthiest people from zooming around the galaxy. So this is a fascinating experience uh, for individuals who want to shell out lots of cash and have the experience of a lifetime. Now, typically, an astronaut being launched on a space mission goes through rigorous training and uh, months and months and months of preparation. The private passengers, I've found, (laughs) uh, don't have to go through quite the same gauntlet that the uh, should we say real astronauts uh, endure, but they do still have testing that they, that they walk through. So if you want to go to space, you've got to be tested to make sure you can handle the G-force, for example. You've got to be able to solve some math problems with some, uh, some pressure involved. Um, they also test you to see if you can handle isolation. In fact, Astronauts who have gone on space missions, not only endured the rigorous testing, but then actually been launched into space, have reported regularly and consistently that it was the isolation that was the hardest. Again, through all these battery of tests and preparations that they do, astronauts have consistently said, yeah, the most difficult, the most challenging were the ways in which I was isolated and had to deal with it. Now, of course, that's not just a problem for being in outer space. That's a problem for planet Earth. (laughs) Feeling isolated, dealing with loneliness. According to a survey conducted by Cigna Health, this took place in 2020, three in five people reported being lonely. Three in five people. Maybe this is something you've experienced yourself. Feeling disconnected, feeling isolated. I would say, based on the research and what we know, it's very safe to say that people in our region, people in our community, people in our neighborhoods are dealing with it too. So the bottom line is, isolation, loneliness, being disconnected is a serious issue. And I think that's why this series that we're in, which is called Love Where You Live, is so important. It's this series, these several weeks, that we're challenging people to see the places where we live, the places where we inhabit, our workplaces, the the places where we call home, that those are places that we have been sent. I didn't come up with this. Jesus did. We've been sent into our schools. We've been sent into our neighborhoods. We've been sent into our workplaces. So here's what Jesus says, John 20, verse 21. As the Father sent me, Jesus says, I am sending you. We are a people sent. And so what we're doing is we're we're being challenged with a shift in our thinking 
to being a people on mission, a people sent into the places that God has us. And so this morning, I want us to sort of tune into people that are lonely, people that are isolated, people that are experiencing these feelings and emotion to, to declare they need friendship. They need connection. They need relationship. Let me put it this way. They need you. Not as their ultimate hope. But they need you. Why? Because for each and every person, they need Christ. And you are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You have the knowledge of the gospel, this good news that a God sent his one and only son to take up residence here. That's what Jesus is getting at when he says, as the father sent me. Like, like, I modeled this for you. I came into your existence. So you are then sent. You have this good news. So people need you because you have the knowledge of Christ to share with them. We all need connection. Relationships are better than isolation. And that's just what we're going to talk about together this morning. So let me introduce myself. My name is John. I am just thrilled that you're with us today, and I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. If you look at the beginning of the Bible, and we're going to be in Galatians 6 uh, this morning, but we're not turning there just yet, but you'll find the creation story in Genesis 1, where God is creating everything, and of course, he creates humanity. In Genesis 1, verses 26, he, the, uh, the scriptures say, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We don't have time to unpack all of Genesis 1:26 this morning, but I think the things that are jumping out to me are the plural. Let us, God says, make mankind in our image. Hmm. In our likeness. You go, wait a minute, so God wasn't alone? <laughs> well, Genesis 1-2 talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the earth. John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's talking about Jesus. And so, this is why we believe in the Trinity. This is why we, we say the Scriptures affirm God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. God is three persons and one God all at the same time. So why do I point that out this morning? Well, we're talking about relationships and the need to be connected to one another. Isn't it fascinating that even within the triune Godhead, there is relationship? That there is this holy communion that takes place between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is relational. And we are made in his image. We too are made for this intimate knowing and being known. Of course, God longs for a relationship, not just among the triune Godhead. God longs for a relationship with the crown jewel of his creation, which is humanity, his sons and daughters. In fact, after a number of days of creating in, in this uh, narrative account from the early uh, chapters of the scripture, the Lord is creating all, the, all of these, the wonders of heaven and earth. And he's saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. I think I've pointed this out to you before, right? But it's uh, Genesis 2 and verse 18. And the Lord creates man, and all of a sudden he says it's not good. Not that humanity wasn't good. It's not good, the scriptures say, that the man is alone. We are designed for relationship. 
We are designed for being connected. Christopher McCandless was an American hiker. He spent extended time alone in Alaska. He has this, uh, this great quote that I want to share with us this morning. McCandless says, Happiness is only real when shared. Happiness is only real when shared. We're not wired for isolation. And as followers of Jesus, I, I want to ingrain this in our thinking this morning. We are sent to cultivate relationships. To care for the people around us. And there are more opportunities than ever to bless and serve the people in the places around us. Uh, this Christopher McCandless that I just quoted, by the way, um, you, you may be familiar with him or his story that was in the book and I think the movie Into the Wild. What's the number one rule of hiking? Never hike alone. That's the number one rule for wilderness survival and going on a hike. It's never hike alone. Well, McCandless didn't heed that and went solo on this uh, fascinating and amazing journey. And in this very remote, isolated place, as he's surviving for something like, you know, over 100 days, an extended period of time, he mistakenly ate a poisonous plant. He, he mistook it for these wild potatoes. And so he got sick and he got weak. And he knew he needed help, and so he was, he was going to make his way back to civilization. But there was a river that he had crossed on the way out. And when he was trying to get back, he, could, he did not have the strength to cross the river again. And so he was sort of trapped and alone. He didn't have someone there to help him, to assist him, to care for him. He couldn't take care of himself. He ended up passing away. The official cause of death was starvation. He shouldn't have hiked alone. That's a graphic illustration of being in isolation. It's always best to have someone with you in wilderness situations and otherwise. You know, the old adage, of, of course, is you got to have a buddy with you when a bear attacks because then you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your buddy. <laughs> now, we benefit from having others with us to work with, to care for, someone who can help in times of danger, Bear Grylls is a survival expert, someone that I enjoy watching his programming. And I recall a, a, a program that I was watching once where they were walking these really like razor thin, um, these kind of cliffs, essentially, where they were on, on the top and they were tethered together. It was him and one other person. And the person asked about them being tethered together. And, and Grylls kind of stopped and he looked the person in the eye. The person was far less experienced than he was. And he goes... No, 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 you see, if you fall right, I jump left. That is total commitment. That is the kind of partnership you need. That's the kind of relationship and friendship you need. Not the hi, how are you when you pass them in the grocery store or the church foyer. That kind of total commitment. And I think that is a great example and image of who God would use us to be. If we truly love where we live, God wants to use us, my friends. He wants to use us to serve, to bless, to connect with those in the places that we are sent. Deep down, we all need and want these meaningful relationships. We want a meaningful relationship with our creator. Right? There is this God-shaped hole in every heart. We will never be satisfied. We will never be whole and complete until we have a, a relationship 
with our creator, with God through his son, Jesus. In the same way, we're designed to have connection with one another. Even the most introvert, introverted of, of people needs connection. And so let me ask this question this morning with that sort of as an introduction. What does this look like? What does this look like in the lives of you and I, followers of Jesus, recognizing that we have been sent to build relationship with those around us? And so here's what I want to do with the rest of our time together. I want to share three results of living in relationship with others. So for this, we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 6. What happens when we're in relationship with one another? What happens when we recognize we are sent and when we're living on mission for cultivating relationships as a way of having kingdom impact? Galatians chapter 6. I hope you're there in your Bible. Steph read a few of these verses for us just a few moments ago, but in verse 1, the the beginning of verse 1, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Now, I do want to help us understand this verse a little bit, because sometimes when we hear caught in a sin, we think of like, ah, you got caught red handed. You got discovered. You got, you know, you, you, you were, you were found out. Well, this does not mean caught in that sense. It's a reference to being entangled or ensnared in sin, right? And so uh, just last week, we talked about how the mission is fishing. Uh, by the way, our middle school took that very literally <laughs> and went out on a fishing trip. I love it. Great job. The mission is fishing. So it's, it's uh, sort of a, uh, the, the idea of being caught here is, you know, the fish caught in the net, entangled, ensnared. You know how... When we make a bad choice, and it's, it's like, well, that probably wasn't the best choice, but it leads us to making another bad choice, and it leads us down this path or down this road to reaching the point where we feel totally trapped, imprisoned by sin, sort of caught in a vicious cycle where we can't get out, we can't, we can't break free. That's what this verse is talking about in Galatians chapter 1, being caught and entangled and ensnared in sin. In fact, John 8, 34 says this, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so we don't always recognize it at first, but sin is a cruel master. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you'd ever want to pay. And so as we talk about the results of living in relationship, the first is that sinners are restored. This happens in the context of relationship, healthy relationship. So when a person has taken this foolish path, become entangled, made ungodly, unwise choices that have left them only entrapped and ensnared and entangled in this vicious cycle, feeling helpless, trying Uh, in a way that doesn't work to get free. When that happens, it is the responsibility of the Christian believers who are involved in that person's life, who have relationship with them, to restore them. But oh, how easy it is to scoff from a distance. Oh, how easy it is when we see someone making foolish choices to go, 
Boy, you know, I thought she would know better. Boy, can you believe her? What a sinner. Do you see him? What a bad choice. It's so much easier, I have found, to talk to someone else about the sin of the third party, isn't it? But if we have made a commitment to say, I refuse to gossip, it's not going to happen. I, I, am, I am resolving in my heart, by the help of Almighty God, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to tear someone down, cut someone down behind their back. If we do that, then we won't cut them down behind their back. We will restore them. And the concern really isn't so much the sin. You know, again, in those, in those uh, gossip sessions, it, it gets really juicy to know the details. Well, what did she do? What did he say? When we're restoring someone, it doesn't matter so much about the sin. It is about the individual, the sinner. It, it, it is more about the manner in which the sin is treated. So, oh yeah, we can respond with harsh condemnation. If we do that, when we do that, it crushes the person, typically. It leaves a bad taste in the mouths of outsiders. Or, there's another way. Working toward restoration. In which, in which case, we, we humbly recognize that each of us needs forgiveness. <laughs> like, like, I see you taking a foolish path. I see you entangled in sin, and I go, man, I see me there because I've been there myself. And because when I'm ensnared, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, but I need you to come along and help restore me. And did you notice how we are to restore? Gently. Gently. And what a beautiful thing. When the lost sheep returns to the fold. (laughs) What a beautiful thing. When the prodigal journeys back home. To be received in a loving embrace from his father. What a beautiful thing. That's what happens when we seek to gently restore the one who has been entangled by sin. Let me help you to extract you gently so that you're no longer ensnared. You're no longer entangled. It's like a prisoner set free. It's like new creation that begins to bloom and come to life. When you stumble and when you fall and you, you bang up your elbow and you've got a little bit of dirt and dust and blood on you and at that point you're discouraged, when someone comes along and reaches down into that mess to gently and lovingly pick you back up, dust you off, and point out the way to go. This is the path of righteousness. This is the path to Christ. That is what we're talking about. When we're in relationship with others, when we embrace this idea of I'm sent into these places and cultivating relationships, sinners are restored. This only happens if we love where we live. Another thing that happens if we're pursuing relationships is that instead of isolation, we have accountability. This is what happens among brothers and sisters in Christ as we care about one another. And so I reach the point of saying, when my life does not align with the teachings of God's word, when I have made foolish choices and strayed from God's path, I need others who are going to speak into my life, who are going to gently and lovingly correct me and rebuke me and pick me up and point me back to that path to Christ. 
lead me, go with me, come alongside me. This is not just a simply, you should do better. This is a, we can do this together, arm in arm. I want to help see you healthy and whole. We have accountability. And I want to make this clear, like, accountability is not just other people making decisions for you. Like, well, you know, here's what you need to do. You know, here's the right thing to do. It's other people who are so ingrained in your life, they know the commitments you've made, they know the purposes you have set by God's will for your life, and they simply help you carry those out. Hey, you wanted to honor God, right? Hey, you wanted to walk in obedience to his word, right? Well, let me help you and guide you, because right now you're straying and you're on a dangerous path. So Paul says then at the end of verse 1, we're in Galatians chapter 6. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. And then jump to verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. So the warning is clear. Don't get so focused on others. Don't just be accountability that's a one-way street. Like, I'm going to just watch out and make sure you all are staying in line. No, it's a two-way street. Don't become so focused on others that you become blind to your own issues. So it's hypocritical if all we're doing is pointing out sin in the lives of others. Hey, friend, you messed up again. Hey, friend, you can do better. We are each to keep in step with the Spirit. And we each stumble and fall at times. And so Jesus helps us and clarifies this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And you pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is, again, he's already mentioned this, but he's going he's gonna to repeat it, a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck. From your brother's eye. Jesus doesn't teach here to say like, hey, if someone has a speck in their eye, just leave it alone. Don't mention it. No, he doesn't say that. At the end of this little story that Jesus tells, the friend has the speck removed from their eye. I want us to be clear on that. The speck is removed. It's that he says, don't just focus on the specks when you've got your own issues going on. Wouldn't it be more appropriate for the friend to say, you got a plank in your eye. Hey, thank you. Let's remove it together. Hey, You've got a speck in yours. How would you respond if a brother or sister in Christ humbly and lovingly tried to help you see an area of weakness or sin or deficiency? How would you respond if someone came to you to say, I know you and I see something that's not aligning with the word of God? When we're in relationship. We submit ourselves one to another. We have accountability. The most, one of the most dangerous places to be is when you are holier than thou. No follower of Jesus should be in that place. Not a pastor, not a missionary, not a seminary professor. No one should be holier than thou. I don't have any imperfections. I don't have any shortcomings. I don't have any blind spots. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And so this is why we desperately need one another. This is part of the reason that God designed us for a relationship, one with another. And so for that unbelieving friend, for that neighbor who you don't really know where they're at with Christ, but it's so easy to just kind of shake your head, 
palm to the forehead, like, oh my goodness. Could it be that God wants to use you to build relationship and then lovingly and gently help free them from the sins that entangle them? That's accountability. We all need it because none of us are perfect. And here's what the scriptures say. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So when we choose relationship, sinners are restored. When we choose relationship, we are blessed with accountability. And finally, when we choose relationship, we carry each other's burdens. Now, of course, one of the ways we carry burdens is to restore someone who's become entangled in sin. We've already discussed that. But really, it goes beyond that. So we're in Galatians chapter 6. Let's key in on verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, Paul writes. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. A people sent by God. A people on mission, fulfilling his plan for our lives. Recognizing everyone has burdens. Everyone has something they're struggling with. It's not always easy and obvious to spot. We're in back to school season right now, (laughs) which can be overwhelming. It's hard because of all the activity and all the scheduling. And for those who are in the school and in session and in class, you might be struggling academically. And on top of that, struggling physically or with your performance in your activity or your sport. But we carry burdens. We carry family burdens and relational burdens and emotional burdens and physical burdens. And so you might be struggling with the burden right now. Why do I say that? Because that's the human existence. Like life is not easy. And so what good news that in, according to Galatians 6, 2, that we are called to bear one another's burdens and in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ. If we love where we live, we will be burden bearers, coming alongside those who are burdened, helping one another. And this is the work of Christ. This is what Jesus did when he was sent, as we talked about, that he came near to us to help bear the burden that we could not possibly carry. He came near in his incarnation. He cared for us in his ministry and in his teaching. And then ultimately, as he went to the cross, he bore that burden that none of us could bear. Laying down his own life, taking the penalty and the punishment for the wrong that we have done, for the wrong that we will do. Because he's the ultimate burden bearer. What a great model. Oh, that we were like Jesus. That we would draw near to those who are struggling and suffering rather than leaving them in isolation. Oh, that we would get involved in the mess of one another's lives. That we would have eyes to see those who are isolated and lonely. That we would be willing to reach out that hand of mercy. So are we moved by the plight of others? Or do we think poorly of one who's struggling and grappling? Our hearts should be stirred when we see a friend who's struggling. Like, if they are suffering, then we are suffering. So let's carry burdens. 
and, and out of compassion, reach out in, I would say, practical ways. Like God has given each of us unique gifts and abilities. We all have a, a, a set of skills, and by the Holy Spirit, we're empowered for God's kingdom purposes. So bearing one another's burdens, I think, oftentimes looks like using those gifts and abilities in a way that we are, we are flourishing as we serve. Visit someone who's shut in and can't get out. Rake leaves for someone who can't get out and do it themselves. Babysit for overwhelmed parents. Offer words of encouragement for those who are downtrodden. Pray for those who are afflicted. In fact, I'll ask our prayer team to make themselves available after this service. If you need prayer, come. Humble yourself. We would just be honored to come alongside you just as we're talking about to help bear the burden. Come after the service is over. Meet here, right here in the front. We would love to minister to you and pray for you. And, and isn't this powerful that as we do that and bear one another's burdens that it fulfills the law of Christ? In fact, if you just flip back a page to Galatians 5 and verse 14, he says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command to love your neighbor as yourself. When you love someone, you're willing to help bear their burdens. I do want to look closely again there. We're in Galatians chapter 6. In verse 2, of course, carry each other's burdens. That word burden there means like a crushing weight. It's this, it's this boulder. It's the, the burden so great that they're going to trap us beneath their weight if we don't get help. It's going to kill us. But Paul also mentions, if we jump down to verses 4 and 5, in verse 5, that each one should carry their own load. It's a different word that's used here. It's a word that really describes more of like a backpack, something designed for a single person to carry under their own strength. So these two verses don't contradict one another when it's bear one another's burdens and you sh each one should carry their own load. They're, they don't contradict one another in any way. When you're hiking, for example, you expect each person to carry their own pack. You know, if, if, a, if a group member just kind of feels tired and goes, hey, uh, how about you carry my backpack? You lovingly and gently remind that person that you're all tired, <laughs> that you each have a pack to carry, and that that's their pack. So we might need to stop, might need to take a rest, might need to get a drink, but that's your pack because I've got my pack. But if you're hiking with a group of friends and a boulder falls on one of them and he's trapped and pinned, you don't say, oh, well, that's your boulder. You're going to have to figure that out. No. And that, so this is what Paul's teaching here. That's the point at which you say, okay, let's do this. I'm not going to continue on until you're set free. And so we're going to use whatever resources. We're going to use whatever strength. We're going to, we're going to uh, marshal our forces, and we're going to help set you free. That's what he's teaching here. So that that individual isn't overwhelmed and overcome by a burden that they cannot handle on their own. So we all do our part, and we help to lift the boulder so the person can be free. That's carrying one another's burdens. That's coming alongside someone to help them in their time of need. But in no way does that suggest that we don't carry our own load or carry our own weight. There are things that I can't do for you. There are things that you cannot do for me. You can't worship for me. I can't receive Christ for you. 
That's a choice you make. I can't serve the Lord for you. You can't serve the Lord for me. We each have a ministry to which God has called us. It's ours to do. We each have a unique and special place. No one else could be the dad to your children. That's your backpack. That's your responsibility. No one else could be the wife to your husband. That's the role that God has assigned to you. No one else could be the leader in your home or in your workplace, in your community, in God's kingdom. That's your role. God has uniquely placed you there. And I'm suggesting this morning that God has sent you into just the right places. Will you be obedient? Will you allow God to shine through you in those places so that others might hear the good news of a God who has come near? Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Will we be obedient? Will we, will we be driven and committed to seeing others restored? Are we willing to invite accountability into our own lives? Are we willing to carry the burdens of one another? Going into those places sent by Christ. You should never hike alone. <laughs> we need each other. So I pray that we would become burden bearers. That God would fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him. And that we would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me this morning? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you hear us. That you turn your ear to the prayers of your children. That in fact, you are searching throughout the earth for men and women who will be bent on doing your will and serving you in the places you send us. And so I would pray today, Lord, for those who are under the weight of crushing burdens. That God, would you send just the right people to come alongside them? To set them free. Lord, salvation is not through a friend. We know that salvation is only under one name, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you send us as ambassadors to simply offer hope to those who are hopeless? That in it all, oh God, you would get the honor and the glory. Lord, we long to see your kingdom expand and grow and flourish. And we say, start right here at MCA. I pray, Lord, start right here in my home, in my friendships, in my relationships. Thank you, oh God, that you care so much. You sent your one and only son. That you took the penalty that I deserved. And so, Lord, I pray that as you have set me free, you would use me in all the places I go to infuse hope and to be empowered by your very Holy Spirit. Thank you, O oh God, for who you are and for what you're doing in our midst. To you be the honor and the glory forever and ever. And I pray only in Jesus' name. Amen.